0: Losing Weight to Gain Control. Today's episode, Self-Made You to Wellness with Tracy Plushcourt. Welcome to today's episode of the Losing Weight to Gain Control podcast. This is Gwen Alexander, your host, and today we have a special guest with us. We have Tracy Pleshcourt. and Tracy is the founder of Self-Made You and the host of Secrets of the Self-Made podcast, which helps men and women create self-made wealth and wealth and wellness through life coaching. Tracy has mastered and now teaches the critical skills necessary to manage your mind and overcome any obstacles, which include overeating, overdrinking, time management, career and, and relationship changes. So Tracy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Gwen. I'm happy to be here. Yes. When I was uh, reading over your, your website and the things that you help people with, I'm like, this is exactly the message I've been trying to spread for years. It's, weight loss isn't just about uh, how many calories, the food and the exercise. There's so much more to you helping to get to the, either where it's the weight you want, or just the health that you want. So I'm I'm curious to see what your take is on this also.
1: Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's, it has everything to do with like the total transformation, your entire well being. And so We really, I'm all about frameworks because we are an online school that helps people become self-made. And I use the framework of you are transforming on a mental, emotional, physical, and metabolic level. And so if you kind of think about that, that that really encompasses your entire being and It's not as fun to go through life if maybe if you're firing on one or two of those cylinders and not on the others, like what that really equates to is longevity. And if you're going to live a longer life, you want it to be a longer, happier, more fulfilling life. So from a metabolic standpoint, we definitely have our finger on the pulse of weight loss or getting to your ideal weight but we definitely do it in conjunction with a focus on mental and emotional health, um, as well as physical health. But I think a lot of the mainstream weight loss programs out there, they focus solely on physical health and they talk about, you know, calories in calories out. It's all about the exercise and you know, what it is that you should be eating or shouldn't be eating. And it's like, there's just no, there's no addressing, the mental and emotional part of it. And then what really shocks me is there's very little um, emphasis put on metabolic health, which without your metabolic health, you really don't have anything. And um, that equates to living a longer life period. So we really strive to educate people on all those levels.
0: Yes, that and like I said, by the main theme of the podcast is create a life you don't use food to escape from. So that, like, that encompasses everything. Yeah. And so let's start with um, sharing with the listeners what got you to this point. Of you know, you talked about overeating and overdrinking. What got you to that point in your life where you're you're like, okay, I need to do something about this.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> not unlike probably a lot of people who are listening, I did use. Outside substances to cope with emotions, you know, emotions that I didn't want to feel. That could have been feeling overwhelmed, feeling stressed, feeling defeated, feeling confused. So my go-to, my coping mechanism was to overeat or overdrink because I didn't know any better. And through my journey of becoming a life coach, um, I fully understood that it not having those coping techniques was not my fault. It was just simply, I had never learned how to cope with my emotions in any other way than just overeating or over drinking. And so I came out of a 20 year career in advertising. I was at an executive level and it came with a lot of stress. And at the same time of kind of climbing, climbing that corporate ladder, I was also raising a family and, um, some might have looked from the outside and said, you know what? She's got it all. And I felt like I was falling apart and coming undone at every seam. And it was because I didn't have the coping techniques to navigate through some of those stressors in my life. And so because I turned to food and I turned to alcohol, I found myself in a place of being very overweight and not knowing how to stop over drinking to try to numb it all. And so it became this vicious cycle of overeating and over drinking and feeling more shame and then not knowing how to deal with the shame. And so I would turn to my trusted companions of food and alcohol, and it would just perpetuate this. And I desperately wanted to be healthy, but I didn't know even where to begin. And The reason why is because I think mainstream media says, here's a script to follow. Here's, you know, here, all you have to do is count points and everything is magically going to be all better. Well, if you don't know how to navigate the emotion of overwhelm, when you don't know how to count points and, you know, the world of points is so totally new, you're going to default eventually to the coping mechanisms that did work for you to buffer out those feelings, to numb those feelings of overwhelm. And you'll find yourself right back to where you started. So we start at the root cause, which is the emotion that you're feeling. You're feeling any given emotion because of the thoughts that you're having. And that is the fundamental lesson that we teach so that people truly understand that you are not broken. It's just that you've never been taught this before school, you know, your formal education doesn't teach you that the way you feel comes from the way you think a hundred percent of the time. Oh yeah. And when you understand that you then quickly feel like, okay, so I actually do have some control because majority of the people find themselves in an experience that they don't like. And it's almost always, the the genesis of it is feeling out of control. And so it's just this perpetuation of feeling more out of control and then finding yourself behaving in ways that almost feels like you're behaving against your own will. Like I didn't want to keep overeating, but yet I still found myself overeating. I felt like I was eating against my own will. And it wasn't because I hadn't yet found the right diet program. It was because I hadn't yet figured out how to manage my emotions. Nobody taught me that. So that's what you is here for. It's to teach people how to manage their thoughts and their emotions so that they can create any result that they want. And we cast a big net. We, we tell people, you know, you can create wealth and wellness. Um, amongst a whole lot of other things, whatever it is that you deeply desire, you can create that. And it all starts with understanding how to manage your mind and your emotions.
0: Your story almost kind of sounds like mine, because back in 2011 is when I had my my big epiphany because I had lost weight before, but I'd never addressed the underlying emotional causes. I didn't knew, know food addiction could be a thing. I mean, I would eat to the point where I didn't feel anything sometimes that and people don't understand that you're trying to numb those feelings, as you said. And one of the things even now I still deal with with even after all these years is I can I can identify it quicker when I'm like, okay, I want to go eat. But why is it because I'm hungry? Well, you just ate an hour ago. You're not physically hungry. And then I have to think about what is it that's bothering me? And it's usually there's something from work because I work in uh, finance. And then, like you said, I've been promoted, so I have more responsibility now, and I'm trying to navigate that, and then just stuff, you know, in the personal life, and life changes. I mean, real life does not stay the same, and a lot of these plans, I think, count on the fact that you're always going to be at the point you're at in your life right now.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, yeah, and congratulations, you know, for okay. coming to that understanding. <laughs> on your own. Cause I don't think many people have had the good fortune to have that epiphany, quite honestly, you know, it's, um, and that's the good news is that that information is out there and you can learn how to manage that. Whether you come to that conclusion on your own, or you find somebody to walk you through it, it's worth the investment of time and energy. Um, And then just practicing that management that you do have, because you are relieved of the burden of feeling defeated and broken and ashamed. And, and I can't put a price tag on that. Like, I really can't. Like, I think about that almost every single morning about what it used to feel like to wake up and immediately be bombarded with those thoughts of I'm broken. I'm unlike everybody else. I, nobody else understands. And those are just primitive brain thoughts that, you know, God created your primitive part of your brain to keep you safe. They're almost always fear-based thoughts and there's nothing wrong with you because you're having them. We just teach you why you're having them and how not to react to them. We teach you how to respond to them. And so that's another big point in the conversation that, you know, we aren't trying to teach you to not have thoughts, right? Or any sort of fear-based thoughts. They have a purpose. It's just to n- distinguish the difference between the fear-based thought and more of a prodigy brain thought, like a more factual-based thought and how to respond to that versus reacting to a fear-based thought. Like, I'm never going to be able to eat this again if I don't eat it right now, right? I think we can all relate to that fear-based thought. And it's like, that's not even true. But think about how often, I mean, I can say quite honestly, probably 40 plus years I reacted to a primitive brain thought just like that.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of people think that you shouldn't have those bad thoughts at all. Uh, Right. I've had that for several years where I would beat myself up. I would wake up with those primitive brain thoughts that the first uh, thing it would tell me is, you know, you're a loser. You know, you're not going to do anything right today. And I'm like, where did that just come from? I just woke up. So you're already starting where Now I have to go eat something because I feel horrible already. Uh, And I think other people, I've had other people email me and say they they deal with that. And like you said, in your program, it sounds like you teach them it's not wrong to have that thought let's replace it with something else or the, what's the facts. You know, you're not a loser. You're not going to screw up everything you're going to do. today. Um, It just, I don't know if that's some of that society and especially with social media now, it it just seems like you get bombarded with that stuff more because even I, uh, I was watching a a program about uh, weight loss influencers and how, how they're promoting, I guess they call it the slim, thick look with the extreme small waist and the really big hips. And I remember when I was a kid, nobody wanted to look like that. You wanted to look very straight, no curves at all. And, Mm -hmm. and and I, of course I know uh, things like that come and go, but with some of the younger girls that are looking at this, they think that's what I have to look like because that's what, you know, that's the only way I'm going to get somebody like me, you know, romantically, or that's the only way anybody's going to think I'm beautiful. Um, Right. So, I think the mental part of that is just great that you're doing that. and um how does that help you with your professional growth? Uh, I think in the email when I told you 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 focus more on professional growth, but I think that helps with the professional and the personal go together also. Oh. Uh,
1: Yeah. I would say, I mean, it helps because when you learn how to manage your thoughts and your emotions, you are taking a sense of responsibility. Like it feels responsible, whether you're creating results that you like or don't like. If you can take responsibility for unintentional thinking and feeling, as well as intentional thinking and feeling, it's like you're actually unstoppable. Because it's, there's nothing outside of you creating those results or those experiences. You take responsibility for that, for it all. And that can be applied to your professional life. That can be applied to your personal life. So when you, when you start to learn how to manage it all, you Create this strengthened sense of responsibility, which then I think could also translate into confidence, um capability. And I mean, where within your professional life couldn't that be applied? Like, um, so I think we are very good at self at self- made you. We're really good at explaining, why you are where you're at right now, why you have the results in your life that you have, whether it's personal, whether it's professional. We have a lot of people that come in that um, want to achieve a certain level within their profession. They're looking for a promotion or they want to earn more money. Um, we we always start with where are you right now so that you can understand intellectually, logically, how you created that result for yourself and that it wasn't anything outside of you that created that result. We have to spend time there first so that we can get you over any sort of blame game, right? It was because my boss doesn't like me. That's why I haven't been able to get the promotion. Okay. That's a thought. And I can promise you that's a thought that's not serving you. And so we can take time and really start to unwind that and see the truth behind the fact that that's a thought and that's a thought that's not serving you. And how else can we choose to think about your circumstance of the role that you're currently in? That is the application of a lesson of a concept of an education that most people have never been exposed to. And, but what it does is it creates a sense of control. It's all within you. We no longer have to blame anything outside of us, whether it's food or whether it's, um, the lack of a gym membership that you might have, whether it's the weather, whether it's your boss, whether it's expenses that you might have, none of it. Like You do not need to spend the energy or the time or the effort placing blame any longer. And that is so empowering because now you've got control and we can explain to you exactly what that looks like and now what you can do with that control. So we, it's ironic because we'll have people come into the program who want to achieve a certain weight. You know, they want to lose a certain amount of weight. And inevitably, they are the same people that end up doubling their income or doubling the size of their team because they have learned these skill sets of how to manage their thoughts and their emotions and create a sense of control and create anything that they want for themselves. So very, very applicable. Um, That's why I can have such a sweeping statement that we can help you create wealth or wellness because the concept that we teach is applicable to it all.
0: Yes, that was one thing uh, several years ago when I had my epiphany because I, I wasn't happy where I was. I mean, I was happy with where, where I'm working because I'm still at the same institution. I've been there almost 20 years or over 20 years, but I wanted to move up. I wanted to to do more. And so I was at a point where it's like, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to, this is where I'm going to stay? How am I going to develop my my skills more? Because I was working on the weight loss at that time, and my my thinking had changed because I said, even if I don't get promoted, the skills that I'm learning, nobody can take from me. So I can use that to to maybe do better somewhere else. Well, it worked, yeah, I eventually got to be an officer and then I'm a uh, assistant vice president, and I've got my goal set to get to the next level. so yeah. it, it it's amazing how when you, like you said, take control, of that one area even my money I've been able to invest lately you know in what I've been wanting to do get to a certain point with even liquid assets and I sit there I'm like wow I remember when this was all just a dream and it all started with I need to get my eating under control this is just not working for me
1: yeah yeah good lord when you are a walking talking example <laughs> of what it means to be self-made so and I just want to point out an area of distinction that I think might help your listeners here. So you had this thought that nobody can take away these skill sets. Nobody can take these skill sets away from me, what it is that I'm learning in this role, right? Yeah, okay. So we could, I think most people will hear that and think you've got this like bank of skill sets that you're acquiring, right? And these are really starting to accumulate. And you've like, Got it all, and you're kind of. A lot of people think about the tangibles, or if that's too, um, if that's too obscure to try to imagine. You could even think about it from the sense of um, saving money, right? I have I have learned how to save money, and a lot of people's minds go to the bank account of the accumulating money, and they're like, "Yeah, this person has done it." The person hasn't achieved the goal because of the accumulation of the actual monies in the bank. The person achieved the goal because of the belief that they had that all started with a thought. In your case, the thought was nobody can ever take these skill sets away from me, which made you feel empowered. It made you feel motivated. It made you feel confident, which then had you showing up duplicating the behavior, which accumulated the wealth of skill sets that then you turned around and applied at other places or within other roles to, to climb up the ladder. Like same exact thing. Like one of the, the things that I spend the most time on with my clients is helping them understand that it isn't the behavior that we're going for. It's the belief that has you feeling inspired, motivated, empowered, controlled, all of the things that then has you showing up. Does that make sense? So there's a huge, huge difference between the doing. You can band-aid anything. You can do your way into creating anything. But here's the problem. If you haven't figured out how to generate a feeling that keeps you doing, it is not sustainable. You will not be able to repeat that behavior for any amount of time. Like you can't step into owning or you can't step into that new identity unless it starts with the belief. It always has to start with the belief, period. And so that's why these mainstream diets don't work it doesn't work for the consumer it works really well for the for the diet industry oh yeah it keeps you coming back because they don't teach you how to create sustainable weight loss they teach you how to follow a script and check a box that eventually you will be fatigued from doing that because you have not changed your belief about who you are you have went into that with a belief of I can do anything for a certain amount of time, which is true, (laughs) but I want to teach you that you're a human being that can actually learn how to generate the feeling of control and empowerment and trust with yourself, which changes everything.
0: That's, you know, we were talking, you mentioned about the diet industry. I mean, it makes like, I think almost billions of dollars a year. It's just, when I read the statistics, and like you said, a lot of them are repeat customers. <laughs> you and, and but, um, So what are some of the biggest lies that the diet industry has told you? I, like, give us the three main ones that they tell us that you do what we say, and your life will magically get better. <laughs> Only three? <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, well, I'll give you the three most common ones, because I'm sure people will be like, Oh yeah, that's true. That's not that's that's true. That's not true. Um I would say if you think about the food pyramid, like that takes us back to like the beginning of our understanding of what we should and shouldn't eat. We were all taught by this food pyramid that the Food and Drug Association has all backed, right? And of course, all of the big brands, food brands, are all behind it because it's very inexpensive to create refined foods, which happens to be the base of that food pyramid, right? The base of the food pyramids was grains and a lot of refined carbohydrates. They called them breads. Breads and grains is what they encourage you to eat the most of. And then the very, very tippy top was good fats or fat in general. And actually our brain prefers to operate from good fats, but we were taught that fats are evil and that we should run from them. And in the eighties and nineties, we were all about this low fat, you know, we were all about this, like, I don't know, (laughs) trend, I guess, if you want to call it the note, the, um, the low fat diet trend, which was crazy high in sugar.
0: Yeah. And that's what I learned later. they add sugar to it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it, it, all it did was it perpetuated the obesity epidemic that we're in today. Bottom line is it, it, it all started with this lie that we should be eating from this food pyramid, that that should be our guideline. And that couldn't be any further from the truth. It's like, it should actually be reversed where refined carbohydrates should be the absolute smallest part of your diet. Anything refined, refined oils, refined, um, uh, carbohydrates, any sort of flour, anything made with sugar, it should be the smallest part of your diet. The large part of your diet should actually come from good fats. And then you should have a moderate amount of protein, but it's, but that was taught to us in backwards. And I, personally believe that that was because there were some really big power players behind it, like big brands, big pharma, you know, of course, big pharma is not going to tell you any different because they want to continue to sell you insulin to all the type two diabetics. Um, okay. So I'm just going to get off that <laughs> box for a minute. Let's give you the other two, um, two other ones that you should eat um, multiple times a day. And that, breakfast is the most important meal that that's actually what ignites your metabolism. Myth, total myth. You should use food to solve one problem, hunger. You should not eat unless you're hungry because we want to balance out your insulin, which is a hormone. If insulin is present in your bloodstream, you cannot burn fat as a source of energy. Your body prefers to burn fat as a source of energy versus glycogen versus sugar. Okay. We all have plenty of fat stored on our body. It's perfectly fine for our body to dine in once in a while, especially for those of us who have extra fat stored on our body as its source of energy. But we as Americans have direct messaging on a minute by minute basis that we should be eating all of the time, right? And that's not true. Um, oh gosh, what should I go for third one? Let's just say calories in calories out another big myth. Like you can't exercise your way to fat loss. You have to now I'm, and I am not saying that I'm against exercise. I love exercise, but not for the purposes of fat loss. I look to balancing hormones to lose fat. And I look to exercise as building strength as creating flexibility, mobility, um, better sleep, all of those kind of things. So I think calories in calories out. I don't believe in counting calories. I believe in balancing out your hormones.
0: Um, the thing with exercise you mentioned, I have had to change over the years, the way I thought of it. Cause I've done past episodes where I talked about exercise for me. That was all it was about was burning calories. I didn't wasn't thinking about the other benefits of reducing stress. It's just I have to try and burn as many calories as I can. And then it slowly over the years has shifted to I have to use this for stress management, partly because of my job now and other things, other responsibilities I have. Like yesterday, I was doing my exercise and I could just tell the endorphins were kind of like, oh, this is so nice. I'm just doing it because I want yeah. to. And it's just nice to move. Um, but man, it took a few years to get to that point. And um that's one of the things I try to share with individuals is you can't look at exercise as you're gonna burn your calories because how long does it take to burn a candy bar, like five hours? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. You're not gonna do that.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so how can you change that behavior? It's through a better sense of understanding. It's through education. It's through your thinking. Like your brain needs to have an understanding of why you wouldn't want to try to exercise away a candy bar, because that is a complete waste of time. It takes absolutely forever, but you could educate the person on why they wouldn't want to eat the candy bar in the first place, because it's loaded with refined products, including sugar that is absolutely toxic to your body. And from a metabolic standpoint, your body doesn't function very well. And we can take you through, or that's what we focus on is taking you through developing the understanding so that you're educated. You don't have to go and just believe something that we're telling you. We show you the science. Like we teach people how to take their blood glucose. We're all about, we talk about the four basics of, of change Four basics. And if you want to apply it to weight loss, perfect. So it's solving the mind math, which is the mental and the emotional management. We have a formula that we, a very simple framework that helps you solve the mind math. It shows you why you've gotten the results that you've gotten your entire life and how to get new ones. And then eating the foods that fuel you. Everybody is uniquely biologically built. And there are some foods that are gonna fuel you that don't fuel me. We need to make sure we find those. We do give guidelines which include eliminating sugars and flours, Um, learning to collect the data so that you make all of your decisions from data, not drama. And so data looks like quantifiables. It looks like taking your blood glucose, learning how to read that, taking measurements, learning what what the ketone level is in your blood, understanding what autophagy is, um, taking your weight on a regular basis. It's all data. And then um, fasting and we fast, we learn, we teach our students how to intermittent fast so that you can balance out the insulin levels within your blood and not crazy, you know, long-term fasting, um, which some people get great results from. I would recommend doing that under a doctor's supervision, but we teach you the benefits of intermittent fasting. So because we're very clever, it's the acronym of SELF. S-E-L-F, solving the mind math, eating the foods that fuel you, learning to collect data to make your decisions from and fasting. Those are, that is the roadmap to creating change, regardless of what result you're looking for.
0: The collection of data is very important because one of the things I did, uh, well, I still do is I'll look at my week and I'll you know, look at my food journal. and like, why did I eat like that that day? Oh yeah, I was really tired or this happened. So I need to just that if I know like I'm having a bunch of meetings <laughs> like early in the yeah. morning or um, even with, uh, you know, it's the same thing with your money. If you're trying to set a certain financial goal, you don't just say, well, I'm going to try and get it. No, you have a spreadsheet of everything that you spend and what's coming in and what you need to adjust. And I think sometimes people don't think they, they're afraid to look at the data because they might see, well, I must be failing because I wasn't perfect, you know, this week with the food or or not staying with my exercise or things like that. Is that one of the things that you try to help them, help your uh, clients with also? Oh,
1: Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Looking at data to make decisions, it strips away the drama that we all lean into, that we've all probably been guilty of making our decisions from for a very long time. And that doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good when we are reactively making decisions from really dramatic thoughts. So we teach you how to just look at the facts, look at the truth, look at the numbers, and let's strip away the drama. So you can look at a scale and a lot of people will argue that they feel bad because they weigh 250 pounds. It's not. You don't feel bad because of The numbers two, five, zero that are showing on your scale, you're feeling bad because you're having thoughts about those numbers, very dramatic thoughts about those numbers, which probably, when that makes you feel bad, think about how you're going to show up. You're not going to show up with any sort of motivation, right? You're going to show up with a lot of self loathing, which probably is not going to serve you very well. So, We look at that 250, those three little numbers that show up on the scale as data. It's just, and I can prove to you how it's not the numbers that are making you feel good because somebody who may have started at 300 pounds is thinking, hot damn, I weigh 250 today. Let's go. They're feeling awesome. Somebody else might be feeling a ton of shame. How could that be? It's because they each have their thoughts about the numbers. It's not the number that's making you feel that way. It's your thought about it. So you will revert very deep in a default manner to having fear-based thoughts all the time. God gave us our primitive brain to keep us safe. By default, that's the part of our brain that's offering us thoughts. I teach you how to notice that so that you don't react from that. You just respond, oh, there's my primitive brain, but what's the fact, right, and then you can respond in a totally different way,
0: oh yeah, well, Tracy, I thank you for everything you shared today i it's you 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 said it exactly like I wish I could have put it together uh even years ago, but it's not just the food, it's not just the exercise it's it's your life, it's you know. Get some other goals besides I want to get to that 250 or whatever number on the scale. Because when you eventually reach that number, then what? Right. What's, you know, you focused on that for so long and you neglected the other parts of your life. Now, what are we going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I thank you for that.
1: You're Um, welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. So I, I always like to end with having you just give a few words of encouragement to the listeners, but also share where they can find you websites, books, social media, or anything like that?
1: Yeah. So, um, you can find me at selfmadeu.com. That's probably the best way to either get in touch with me, learn more about how to become self-made. So it's just self-made and then the letter u.com. We have a free quiz and, um, it's right there when you come to our homepage that it takes about 90 seconds. And it is, we have a clinical psychologist on staff that helped us develop this quiz. But what it does is it reveals to you your unique relationship with food. So, what we have found is that everybody falls into one of four categories they're either a snacker, <laughs> um, they are the overthinker, they are the quick fixer, or they're the romantic. Where like you know they romanticize food, right? Okay, so once you know your particular relationship with food, and we show you kind of what your tendencies are, and those are the tendencies that are actually keeping you from getting to your ideal weight, then we give you a free five day program that helps you start to break through some of those obstacles because you now know better, right? So we really break it down. We we give you what our four basics are: the S, the E, the L, the F, and we show you through this quiz what your relationship is and how to overcome some of those tendencies. So um I would leave you with the thought that I have used for the last 10 years that I am not broken. It is not my fault that I couldn't create the results that I wanted when I wanted them. It was simply that I didn't know better. I hadn't yet been taught. And I would say that that is true for so many people. So if you wake up with that thought that nobody would understand, that I am broken, I want to suggest to you that there is another way to be thinking about that. And it's simply that you have not yet been taught And that education is out there waiting for you, and it will change your
0: life. I love that. And on that note, thank you once again, Tracy. My pleasure. The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only. The views of any guest on the podcast are their own. The host of this podcast is not a medical doctor, nurse, or health professional. You should consult with your doctor, nurse, or health professional before you begin any weight loss or maintenance or exercise program.